Hey everyone, Tom Salemi here. Quick editor's note. Uh, this week's podcast is our most listened to podcast. It's with Arun Gupta from Quartet Health. And uh, it's just a fascinating behavioral health company. They're making some news, uh, signing new deals with uh, Humana and Highmark. They brought on a, a CEO rather earlier this year. So uh, Steve sat down with Arun Gupta uh, last year, over a year ago, and uh, sort of really delved into uh, what Quartet is up to. So let that we'll let the podcast run in its entirety and uh next week we'll be back with uh with fresh interviews uh we've got uh, several in the can and uh some more on the way so look forward to bringing those new tales of innovation to you but i know you'll enjoy this look back at our most listened to podcast i'm going to run the entire podcast so before i let you go digital healthcare innovation summit is happening on november 28th in boston registration is open so go to healthogy.com to register. Now let's uh, listen to this great interview with Arun Gupta of Quartet. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, and I'm happy to be here with our host, Steve Krupa of the Silos Group. Hey, Steve. How you doing, Tom? Doing great. We've got another great interview today. You spoke with uh, uh, another behavioral health company. It's, it's interesting that we're seeing a lot of uh, innovation uh, using digital technology and behavioral health. It's, it's actually nice to see. I think it's a great opportunity to, to really change or, or, or improve a sector of healthcare that needs to be uh, needs to be worked on. And then the company today is Quartet. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah. So, I, I mean, good point. We have had some exploration here uh, into behavioral health, uh, most recently, I guess, with paratherapeutics uh, in, their, in their digital therapeutic around uh, substance use disorder. Quartet's a little bit different than that. Um, the first thing I would say to you is it's a, it's a, it's a very well-backed company. It has uh, Arun Gupta as the CEO, but it also has GV, which is Google Ventures, uh, Polaris, and Oak three very well-regarded healthcare VCs. Uh, Steve Shulman is the chairman of the board, and, and people like John Mack, former CEO of Morgan Stanley, are investors in the company. And their belief system um, is on the surface similar to care management technology. So we had on the show, which is there is a linkage between mental health and behavioral health and the onset of chronic illness and the utilization of healthcare services by the chronically ill. Um, and what Arun will, will, will describe it as is, is that there is a signature in the data that is profoundly behavioral health-based oriented, and their objective is to find that signature, find the patients that have those issues in a population, so it's a population health company as a first proposition, uh, and then try to intervene at the provider level to integrate care between the behavioral health side and the, the med surge or the, uh, or the chronic care access side of the business. And the theory is, is if the behavioral health is working, that is depressed people are less depressed, bipolar people are, are, in, are in good condition and schizophrenics, schizophrenics are in good condition, that they will utilize less healthcare and be healthier, even if they're managing chronic illness. And there's a lot of studies that, backs that, that back that up. So, mm -hmm. so is, it, is it the... the chronic disease that, that precedes the, 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 
the mental health issues or the behavioral health issues or vice versa, or it really depends patient to patient? I, I think I think they're in they're intertwined. They're yeah. comorbid, as uh, they would say. Um, I think certainly if you have uh, chronic depression, uh, you you can certainly end up with any number of physical ailments from uh, you know to to extremes. So you could be so severely overweight. You could be bulimic or anorexic. Those are two examples of of, dis, of disorders that would require a significant amount of, of healthcare. Um, likewise, if you're diagnosed with uh, diabetes and other uh, chronic illnesses, it could lead to uh, a depressive incident. It, it could, you know, stimulate behavioral health issues. So the two sort of work together, I think, in some patients. And when they are working together, in it, uh, you know, they they exacerbate uh, the the activity of the disease and therefore exacerbate the need for uh, for healthcare. I think that's fantastic. As, I mean, as we always talk about the the aging demographic, the the baby boomer population moving uh, moving upward, we we t- routinely talk about sort of treating their their medical needs, uh, but uh, the behavioral health element is going to come along with that. So it's nice that there's uh, ventures like these out here trying to trying to tackle those issues. That's right, and I think the other the, the side of it is is many of the physicians, you know, say the cardiologists at all that are treating the physical side of things. Uh, need to be in tune with the behavioral health issues that their patients are experiencing so that they can take that into account, you know, as they, as they make judgments about how those patients should be treated, especially as they get elderly, become elderly, and especially in, in the poor where, where mental illness is, is more prevalent. Excellent. Well, let's, this is a great story. Let's, uh, let's get right into it. Terrific. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Arun Gupta, the CEO of Quartet Health. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So it's cool. I got another New Yorker on the phone with me, which I love. You know, I like to see the VC <laughs> activity happening in our... I mean, we're real New Yorkers, right? I mean, we lived here for a lot of our yeah. lives. And we were always That's told right. Silicon that... uh, <laughs> yeah. Alley, I guess, is yeah. what they're calling it these days. Yeah, Silicon <laughs> Alley. Uh, yeah, which is a big alley, right? It runs from like... The, the, the tip to through Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> but anyway, welcome. We've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. I, I, uh, I, I think the first question I really want to ask you is, as I can tell that you've, you've got a, a, an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, you know, from your background, but you certainly uh, didn't start out wanting to apply those skills in healthcare. So firstly, tell me, you know, what do you think makes you tick as an entrepreneur? What, what, what are you doing this for? I mean, you could get a job someplace, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, it's just passion. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, healthcare became a real labor of love for me. Um, you're right. I mean, I've, I've been doing entrepreneurial stuff, building companies for the better part of almost 15 years. Uh, I did more in the you know, enterprise software, enterprise services, um, stuff for typical kind of Fortune 500 type companies. Um, uh, you know, technology enabled services, kind of things like that. And I started really getting into healthcare. Um, and then I just sort of some, I don't know, eight years ago, I said, I'm not going to do anything but healthcare. And it just became my, my, my whole focus. Um, I think as, as you probably know, from talking to a lot of entrepreneurs that have got into healthcare, I mean, it is really one of the most unique spaces. I think maybe the only space in the U S maybe education kind of, you know, fits this trait but where there's just so much win-win opportunity, you know, on the table where we can actually, 
build businesses that help, you know, people get better care, um, you know, function better lives, you know, in, in their lives, um, you know, help doctors, you know, and then do all that in a way that makes the system work more efficiently and therefore, you know, our investors and everyone can, can make their money. And so I just think it's kind of a very complicated space and there's a lot of, you know, drawbacks to working in healthcare, which I can talk at, at length about, but it just became a real passion, um, you know, for me and, and uh, I sort of never looked back. Yeah, you know, I, I, I sometimes say that the passion has got to overcome inertia, right? Because the inertia is not necessarily towards innovation for some reason in healthcare. At least it, I don't think anybody would say if you listed the top four or five innovative industries, other than, of course, medical innovation, you know, the ability to, to perform miracles on the medicine side. But I'm saying from the business side, it probably doesn't, doesn't come, come across as being one of the top innovating industries. And yet, you know, my observation is I'm seeing guys like yourself and others who could be innovating elsewhere because they understand the, the sort of the makeup of the modern computing infrastructure. And yet they're choosing to sort of come in here and deal with this. So um, t- tell me what, 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 what is it about the passion that, that overrides the difficulty probably in getting technology adoption from your point of view? Yeah, no, you're right. I think it has to be a real passion project. I think, frankly, um, you know, technology-oriented, um, you know, capable entrepreneurs can, frankly, build companies more quickly um, to higher levels of success with more velocity and um, less regulatory baggage and sort of all, you know, all the stuff that we're used to in healthcare. Uh, uh, so I, 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 whenever I meet other entrepreneurs or people, you know, seek me out for, you know, investing or, or, or um doing boards and stuff. I mean, I, I just really drill it into people. I'm like, you really have to have a passion for whatever problem you're working on, um, you know, in healthcare to really get through the ups and downs of trying to build a company in this space. Like entrepreneurship is hard enough as it is doing it in healthcare, you know, makes it two to three times harder, right? Customer sales cycles take, you know, twice as long as typical enterprise sales cycles. Um, there's a massive amount of um, very real, um, regulatory security, data protection, um, investments that you have to make, um, that, that we uh, frankly, you know, owe it to the patients to make, um, uh, they're not just box checking exercises, they're real efforts that take resources, they take time. And when you've got, you know, a handful of engineers trying to put together a product as a young company, um, that's stuff that folks that aren't from healthcare aren't used to having to really kind of calculate for, um, and then, you know, listen, you know, the entrepreneurial journeys, they have their ups and downs, right? And, like, I think that there's no level of, um, you know, the thing that gets you through those ups and downs is feeling um, both very bonded to, you know, your teammates, like the people, your founders, your co-founders, whoever you're really building this thing with, um, and then feeling like it's a cause that's worth getting solved and, and, and worked on um, that has a mission and a purpose that's greater than just, you know, trying to build a company to, to, to flip it. Um, uh, cause you know, th- those moments are tarred and, and there, right. there's lots of, uh, th- those really tough moments in trying to build a great company. And, um, I've just always found that that mission is ultimately what, um, kind of carries me at least through those, through those moments of death. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so listen, first of all, I really ought to congratulate you. You've, you've done a great job on, on the capital raising, you know, piece. If I uh, if I get any of these names wrong, you'll you'll correct me. But I know GV just came into your your deal. And for listeners that don't know, GV is formerly known as Google Ventures, right? 
and uh, right. and Andy Lamont over at Oak, who has a great track record, and Polaris Partners. Uh, you have a, a pretty well-known uh, chairman in Steve Shulman. So, um, did I miss anybody, by the way? Did I get everybody there? No, those are the the, the, the main ones. There, there's more, but um, yeah. uh, you got it. Okay. Um, so to get convince those people to get involved in your project, uh, you must be uh, you must be coming to the table with a pretty compelling idea. So as a starting point, you know, tell me what you said to them that uh, that convinced them to invest in what you're doing. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, it, I think it's a pretty um, uh, foundationally simple uh, but profound idea, which is that, um, you know, the mental health of our communities uh, uh, impacts very profoundly the total healthcare equation uh, of um, their well-being and, and how they're going to consume healthcare. And again, that, that that sounds very obvious, I think, but it is so profoundly not how our current healthcare system is structured and how care is delivered today. Uh, and when you really start looking at the data, um, you see uh, that there's a major signature of mental health um, underlying so much of the excess and, and aberrant um, you know, healthcare utilization that we're trying to kind of focus on getting out of the healthcare system in this movement towards value-based care and population health. Um, and that is that folks with mental health conditions um, tend overwhelmingly to also have other major chronic conditions. Um, they tend to get tremendous amounts of care in our acute and physical healthcare system. They tend not to get very good care for their underlying um, mental health condition. Uh, and when done well, um, that works, you know, really, really well for the patient to um, get better, um, to have a, a reliable and efficacious uh, short-term treatment path um, in the behavioral uh, world that gets them better, uh, uh, and then also uh, helps uh, drive much better chronic disease management outcomes and acute care utilization. So there's a business case tied in all that. Um, it's, like I said, simple and profound in the sense that when you really start looking at the data, um, you know, the folks with mental health conditions constitute, you know, well over half of the total healthcare spend, you know, in the U.S. Their mental health spend is very small. Actually, it's probably three or four or five percent, maybe max of the total spend. But again, they have massive um, utilization experiences, you know, on the uh, acute uh, physical side. Um, so there's a big opportunity, I think, fundamentally. And then I also think that, you know, our mission at the end of the day is really about helping, um, you know, those patients who have gotten, frankly, a pretty raw deal in, in how our healthcare system currently is designed and delivers for them. And um, I think that spoke to, you know, our investors as well. Like mm -hmm. People feel this problem. Uh, Krishna Yeshwant, the partner from Google Ventures, happens to be um, not only a prior software entrepreneur and technology investor, but He's also a practicing physician uh, uh, at uh, the Brigham in, in, in Massachusetts. Uh, so he does, you know, practicing internal medicine, primary care, um, you know, week in, week out. And, and uh, so I think, that, you know, our, our, our investors actually really understood this issue. It resonated with them. Um, I think as we found, as we've gone on, this issue actually resonates with a lot of people, like way more broadly than I even thought going into it. I think I always thought mental health was a relatively kind of niche issue uh, in our society. But again, you start looking at the data and you just realize that it's the furthest thing from that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, 
it's always been something that surprised me that we weren't making linkages prior to you know recent years between uh, behavioral health issues and um, and and healthcare utilization you know in the in the emergency rooms at the physician's office and of course uh, um, with the progression of, of chronic illness and and so the really the the question's always been you know how do you go after that concept how do you build a product that works in the healthcare infrastructure that would sort of get at that issue and it sounds like it sounds like that's that's where you're taking the company is to begin to create first and foremost anal- analytical connections uh between behavioral healthcare and and traditional healthcare is that is that a fair way to look at it? yeah that's exactly right um what we we um Maybe I can check, should I talk a little bit more about kind of um, what, what we're doing with some of the customers yeah, or um, yeah. Let's get know, how we product. launch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a heavily technology levered model. Um, what we do is we partner with typically um, either large insurers or, or risk-based health systems um, really around the value prop that we were just talking about, which is that if we can make behavioral health care more accessible and more integrated into primary care, um, that patients will, will get better uh, care and better outcomes and will ultimately cost less, you know, uh, in the overall healthcare system. So it's very much a, um, you know, value kind of population health-based value prop. Um, I think what's partly unique about what we do is we then actually execute entirely, you know, at and in the delivery system level. So we literally go and work with primary care practices um, to get them onboarded to our platform. Um, which gives them access to a whole host of behavioral resources for their patients, um, you know, access to a curated local network of providers that, you know, communicate and collaborate, um, access to technology-accessible care channels like online CBT and peer support and telemedicine, et cetera. Um, we also cre- create and curate that local network of behavioral health providers by onboarding them into the same platform. Um, and then, of course, we you know we service the patients, uh, you know, through their journey. Uh, there's a lot of data underneath that whole thing, like you said. I mean, mm-hmm. we start from the data, the, um, you know, typically the, 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 the plans provide us uh, in terms of the claims data for their membership. Um, we then, at the point of care, um, have a whole bunch of algorithms around matching and tracking, you know, the treatment efficacy uh, to make sure that, you know, at the point of initiation, we can get the patient onto a reliably good uh, treatment pathway. I mean, I think, as you know, a lot of patients have really uh, been left out in the dark to try to kind of find their way through, you know, this complex mental health ecosystem. And, you know, and not surprisingly, a lot of them end up not getting care or falling out of care, um, which results in obviously bad outcomes. Uh, so there's a lot of data um, that powers that whole matching treatment efficacy and uh, upfront identification. Um uh, yeah, and, and, and everything that we do for those different users, you know, the primary care physicians in their offices, the patients and the behavioral health providers is totally free um, because, again, we have a sponsoring relationship with, you know, the, 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 the payer or the health system um, in that market. Um, we are sort of a, a locally driven company. Right. I mean, again, not the typical sort of put an app out there and let it go viral kind of thing. Like yep, yep. we launch on a market by market basis. Um, we typically land like field product teams that do trainings and onboardings. Um, 
you know, we invest in, um, we did a lot of user testing in and out of primary care offices and with behavioral health providers. I mean, healthcare is local. Um, it's really done at the delivery system level. And I think most, uh, you know, health tech companies have shied away from really kind of diving into all that because um, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's it's hard to scale. Like there, we can talk about the challenges that we pick up by doing that. But um, so far, that's been a really um, positive part of just our outcomes. And we get spectacular engagement rates with patients. Our testimonials are, are just through the roof. Um, you know, these folks want care. The primary care physicians activating them um, helps a ton uh, in terms of getting them en route. Uh, the primary physicians are actually really grateful that, like, someone's helping, you know, create these resources for them because it's been an area where they typically haven't had good, um, you know, specialty consult resources right. for, for a long time. So, yeah, that, that's a little bit about kind of how, how we're doing it. So it, you, your customers are are payers, and payers, in my mind, are the government, you know, health insurance companies and uh, and employers. Are you going after all three of those? Uh, sectors or or just the insurance companies where where are you finding the most traction at this point yeah um uh, a little bit of all i mean mostly we are working with um the big insurers um uh and or i'd say the risk-based provider systems mm-hmm. i think some of the provider systems that are into value have been a really really great channel for us and they've been some of our, our best partners um and then uh we don't do a ton with employers um, yet, at least, although we're talking to a bunch of, um, you know, the best in the country and we're exploring some stuff with them. Um, as you can imagine, I mean, part of the success of our model has been, you know, going locally deep, right? right. And you have a dense, um, you know, payer uh, that works, but if you have a nationwide employer that's, you know, you know, mile wide, inch deep, that's, um you know, less of a workable construct, right? So um, mm-hmm. we we haven't done as much with employers, though. Like I said, there's some good discussions going on there. And we haven't done anything directly with um, CMS or in, uh, uh, the, you know, the state Medicaid plans other than, um, frankly, a lot of our payer customers have managed Medicaid right. lives and or MA lives. Yeah. And we do service, you know, their their full product list, so which is usually predominantly a majority commercial, but you know has large chunks of particularly MA. So we do do a lot of Medicare uh, Advantage, and then um, a lot of them, like I said, have managed Medicaid as well. And so we uh, we service those populations as well. So is the I'm gonna I'm I'm going to imagine how I think this works, and then and then you can correct me as sort of a discussion point. Um, is is it first and foremost is the first algorithm that you run on the population in effort to discover either people that are being treated for a mental health disorder or have the potential to have a mental health dis- disorder. In other words, are you sort of behavioral health care first in your pop health app, uh, algorithm? Um, sort of true, but not true. Um, I did the, 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 what I'd say is that, um, we do get the population data and we run uh, particularly um, what we call kind of the exacerbation uh, quotient, mm-hmm. uh, essentially like where it looks like these behavioral conditions are um, significantly exacerbating other um, particularly chronic physical you know, health conditions. And then we map that data down to the actual uh, primary providers uh, of those patients. And then that drives a lot of our focus when we go and stand up a market in terms of which practices we look to onboard, and then, of course, um, you know, helping them understand and confirm that these patients are, in fact, you know, ones in need 
um, or, or other patients in their minds are, are the ones in need. Uh, but you're right, that's kind of a starting point. And and when it comes to the the algorithm side of this, and I don't want you to give away any of your, quote, secrets, but just conceptually, are you using clinical guidelines to build your algorithms as, as a first step? Are you using hypothesis testing to build your algorithms? How do you go about sort of trying to, to tease your way through the data to find this this content? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a ton of really, really interesting stuff that goes that's going on there. Um, so um, there, there's there's a little bit of like many, many different uh, methods, as mm-hmm. I think you probably know from from seeing any of these. Data. There's no silver bullet to these sure. algorithms. Um, the bigger thing I think is training the models. Um, so based on everything that our models are finding, and then based on you know the clinically kind of ground truth view, we then go back and train our models accordingly. Uh, and so that I think is turning out to be a lot more of the, um, sort of most productive layer to making those algorithms effective. Um, but we do have, um, a clinical team here, uh, led by our chief medical officer, psychiatrist, who, who's, um, really done a lot of the collaborative care projects across the country. He's a very, uh, prominent, you know, behavioral health executive, you know, before she joined us. And uh, so she does um, have a lot of input into those algorithms. Mm -hmm. And then some of it is just, you know, great data scientists just looking at the data and looking at signatures and patterns of similarity across um, folks that maybe are getting care, aren't getting care, but look like statistically similar, et cetera. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of different kind of cuts to that. Right. Um, Again, I think the most important thing is like ground truthing it. Because anybody's algorithms off claims alone are never going to be even yeah. close to perfect. Um, it's a guiding light on maybe people that should get screened, but that's like the max, essentially. Hi, everyone. Tom here. Just want to take a quick break to ask you to go to healthogy.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y.com. Healthogy produces the Breaking Health podcast, as well as the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, which is happening this November in Boston. You'll want to be there. And you'll want to continue to follow these great stories of healthcare innovation on the Breaking Health podcast. So go to healthogy.com, sign up for the Breaking Health newsletter. You'll get all this great content, including our written reports and our video reports and updates to the agenda of the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, which we're beginning to put together. Now back to this conversation. So listen, I don't want to spend the whole discussion on this, but maybe, I mean, you know, for the benefit of the listeners, just just give them a flavor for what you mean by training the models and ground truthing the models. It feels to me like there's a feedback mechanism that's taking place there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think this is a little bit, this is where the Google folks also help us a lot. <laughs> I mean, the state, the state, the state of the art is, you know, modern data engineering, you know, machine learning, AI, like all those, the stuff that's kind of gotten sexy is, you know, building a model and then more importantly, having an ongoing mechanism by which the outputs of that model are checked against, you know, the desired outcome. And then that's all instrumented to have the model get, frankly, better and better over time, right? And so yeah. that's exactly what we do with all of our models in terms of, um, you know, matching algorithms. Like if we suggest a certain um, provider, for example, for a patient based on all the information that we know, um, we then obviously track that forward to make sure the patient ultimately, you know, got to that provider eventually, uh, hopefully got better thanks to a series of interactions with that provider. And we then push that back into our model. Like that's all instrumented and makes the matching algorithms better and better. Cool. 
You know, it's funny. Uh, we were involved, and I say we silos were involved in, this, in a company, Active Health Management, back in the late nineties. Yeah, sure. And sure, uh, sure. we used to tell people, and and by the way, Lonnie Reisman, the founder of that company, is busy again here in New York. You guys should should meet up. Um, but we used to say when we were um, we're doing that company that we were sort of in the Kitty Hawk stage of uh, of using computing to improve care, and how here we are, you know, eighteen years later, and we've got you know a much bigger computing infrastructure and much better data capabilities. So I think now we're sort of entering into sort of the commercial jet era, if you will. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, just uh, the interesting thing, one last point on this, and, uh, you know, the, the primary care providers, um, I think what we've forgotten, you know, for those that are, you know, um, you know, at the high level in healthcare is that the majority of healthcare happens in these precious seven-minute interactions between sure. a primary care physician and a patient, right? And in those seven minutes, you know, we're asking those primary physicians to cover, like, you know, the encyclopedia and back again of series of issues that are going on in a patient's life. And so I think what we found is that they welcome, um, you know, enablement and, like, an ecosystem, you know, around them mm-hmm. that's clinically relevant, right? That's not, like, an administrator forcing them to, you know, check boxes on any HR so they can bill or do all the thousand things that other people want them to do, but clinically relevant um, resources and a kind of ecosystem around them that helps them, um, you know, deliver for their patients, right? right. Um, uh, that's been a really interesting uh, part of, of our experience where bringing all that data to bear uh, you know, behind enabling the primary physician and that, you know, precious seven-minute interaction between them and their patients. Yeah, so what, what, what happens next? I mean, you've, you've done your, your population health, you've, you've applied your algorithms, you've sort of found the physicians and found the cases that are relevant um, to, in, in, you know, presumably beginning to provide integrated and improved care. Um, where does it go from there? Do you turn that over to uh, the health plan? Or do you then take it the next step and reach out to the patients and providers and provide them with some insight as to what, what's going on and, and how things can be improved? Yeah, more the latter. I mean, we run that whole process, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the, to the behavioral health resource. Um, uh, and then we metric and manage that whole process in terms of feedback loop back to the primary physician and to the patient um, sort of through their course of care. Um, uh, yeah, so, so uh, no, it's not like we just, like, initiate and then, and then leave it be. Um, you know, we, we really consider ourselves, um, you know, morally responsible for, you know, delivering for these patients. And is that done through an application that the, the physicians and the consumers um, are, uh, are directed towards? How, how do you get to them? What's the process for, for getting, you know, sort of out from the cloud and into the delivery system, if you will? Yeah, so there's a platform that each of those um, constituent users all access. There's the behavioral health provider side of that. There's a primary care physician side of that. And there's a patient side of that. Um, and then we wrap it around with a lot of concierge servicing. I mean, we make phone calls. We do a lot of user support. Um, we don't practice the clinical medicine, and we have a lot of clinicians on staff. But, you know, we're not the treating provider to these patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do provide a lot of that kind of concierge navigation, um, you know, engagement support activation. Um, problem solving, um, you know, as they go. Um, but yes, all those different um, parties access our um, products, and that's the predominant way that they interact with us. Cool. So, do you want to do you want to brag about any of your customers at this point, or are they secret? 
No, I mean, so, some some are not yet public, but um, I, I would like to um, just thank and highlight um, some of our earlier partners yeah. have been just like amazing, amazing groups. Uh, 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 we just announced a major relationship with Highmark mm-hmm. um, in Pennsylvania. We're launching the Western Pennsylvania geography with plans to expand that to their full three-state geography. Um, they are, I think, a very innovative plan um, that really understands the value of investing in behavioral health as it impacts, you know, the overall health of their populations. Um, some of the provider systems actually up in Massachusetts, you know, Stewart and Leahy have been um, just awesome partners, and we did successful pilots with them dating back to our earliest um, sort of beta projects. And um, based on those successes, of are in the process of fully scaling that up to their whole systems. And those are, again, more value-based provider systems that see value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both clinically because, you know, they're full of primary care physicians and, and that they, they really understand the provider cold face, um, but they're also, you know, participating in value contracts to understand that getting behavioral right is going to be a big component of, you know, delivering uh, the overall value uh, equation. Very good. Congratulations. Those are great, uh, great customers. The, the, the consumer Thanks. side of this, do, are you delivering a way for them to sort of monitor the behavioral health. So, for example, in behavioral health, as you know, the, the two main treatment modalities, and something oftentimes they're combined, is, is pharmaceutical and, and, and uh, therapy, and talk therapy and behavioral and cognitive behavioral mm-hmm. therapy and so forth. So are you, are you providing tools for physicians and, and consumers to, to, to manage cl- more closely their, their behavioral health treatments and, and, and to try to encourage compliance? Is there any of that in the product? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of that is, um, frankly, coming over the next six months. Part of the GD investment mm-hmm. um, is really building out a lot more robust um, kind of patient-facing product, uh, which is all in motion right now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we don't get into the telling them what kind of medicine to, to practice or sort of what's, um, you know, take meds, don't do therapy or, or vice versa. I mean, that that's not, um, we don't view that as our role. Um, but yeah, we absolutely get behind the primary care physician uh, who is oftentimes, you know, prescribing medications and then needs help either on, you know, a talk therapist or a psychiatrist. Uh, and then we drive the integration of that whole, you know, care process and then letting the patient really be in control, you know, of their journey and tell us, you know, no, I really don't want to do medications. I'd rather do therapy. Okay, great. We can, we can get you a great therapist or, you know, or vice versa. Um, you know, we, we, we interact with, you know, patients every day you know, that are on both sides of that coin. And, and we obviously respect their wishes and, and just try to get them to, um, you know, a care pathway that's going to work for them. Very good. Very good. So um, I'm speaking with Arun Gupta from uh, Quartet Health, a company here in New York City. And, you know, a couple of uh, last questions, if you don't mind, um, really two, two areas of questioning. Uh, you know, obviously the digital health uh, is, is quickly becoming a mature area in that, um, there, there aren't singularities or there often aren't singularities in terms of the companies out there. And so companies find themselves looking at the, at the landscape from a competitive analysis point of view. I'm sure people will, will, will learn what you're doing and, and think about coming into this area, whether it's an existing large company or another startup. Um, when you think about the business and the path going forward, you know, what are the parameters of competition and, and where do you think you're going to, you know, maintain a differentiated position in the marketplace? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think my, my general comment is I think all of this stuff is so immature um, <laughs> for how big it should really be that yeah. I'm like, please come, please, like more okay. people beating these drums. And um, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we are competing against is, you know, this the ossification that exists in our healthcare system <laughs> around the way that these things have been done I, for so long. No. Uh, so in general, I'm kind of been glad to see that, you know, thanks to our efforts, um, you know, and others that, that this area is getting a lot more attention, you know, there's more, um, you know, venture back companies. I think we partner with a lot of the companies that have, um, you know, great products in this space, you know, like the online CBT players, the telemedicine players. So we actually work very collaboratively with a lot of those companies. Um, and, and we really enjoy our relationships with them. And, um, you know, I think them with us. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there's probably lots of areas that, you know, I think our delivery system engagement model, I think that data, I think the curation of these local networks, I think those are going to be very special things that um, are going to be major differentiators of, you know, quartet, you know, Mm -hmm. vis-a-vis anything that's out there, like you said, whether it's, you know, the the biggest payers in the country, you know, the provider systems, the upstarts, you know, the current incumbents, you know, any list of those. but I would say my general is uh, the more people talk about this issue, frankly, as a society, the more we bring it out of the shadows, the more we understand that these are very treatable, normal, chronic diseases that in short bursts, we can actually um, drive much better outcomes around. Mm-hmm. And the more we understand the total value equation that's associated with you know, behavioral health and the comorbidities, um, this yeah. can just grow the market opportunity, I think, so dramatically from where it has been historically where we've been kind of squeezing the balloon of the, the small behavioral spend um, versus kind of understanding that the, the, the whole patient, you know, uh, opportunity. Fair enough. Fair. I, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll tell my portfolio company CEOs, you know, what you really need is a good competitor <laughs> <laughs> because, as you know, you amplify the message and the value proposition in the marketplace and then, and then customers come to realize that it's important you know, two or three people out there sort of uh, uh, promoting a similar idea is good. And then all you have to do is just be a little bit better than your competitors and you'll get more than your fair share of, of the market as it develops. Um, mm-hmm. So 10, 10 plus startups in your back pocket, right? Between this and your work at Accretive and other things that you've been doing. So I know you've been around the startup world. This is really who you are, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, you got to do two things when you started your own company. You got to name it. So I want you to tell me why it's called Quartet Health. And then I got one more question mm-hmm. for you, sort of a closing question. You know, it's a funny one. Um, uh, we, we were really, we are really into this notion of bringing the different stakeholders together, mm-hmm. right? Which is a very non, it's hard to do as a startup, uh, but I think it's been part of our success. I mean, bringing payers, primary care physicians, behavioral health providers, and patients together to find like a true win mm-hmm. across that whole spectrum has been, I think one, one of the things that's really led to our success. And then I literally like our, one of our early guys was like designing the logos and he was like, man, if we have a company that starts with the letter Q, we could do some really cool stuff with that. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think so like that came together out. and we were like, we were like, Hey, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that's uh yeah, you know, you're, you're right. right. You're right. Actually, that's kind of unique. Uh, we can, we can run with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so it was a little bit, of, a little bit, of, and then we got a good URL, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard, it's hard to find yeah. URL these days. That's right. Nobody was going to going to have that. And, and, and by the way, this is why, you know, they call me scoop, scoop, Krupa. I come up with all these uh, <laughs> secret, I find all these secrets in the interviews. 
So the Q was the key. A lot of guys use A because they think they show up first, you know, in whatever sort of listing. But I like it. I like it. And four and the four yeah. sort of constituents. Um, That's right. So, so last questions. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, the the culture of a startup is often mimics the personality of the founders at some level, right? Um, mm -hmm. It starts to look a little bit like you, and some uh, you know. So as you as you think about creating your culture there, what where are you at? About fifty employees today? Is that is my information right on that? Fifty people. Yeah, over like seventy five. Seventy five people. So obviously seventy five yeah. and growing. Um, where where do you stand on culture? How do you think the company should be seen culturally? What type of work environment do you try to cultivate? And uh, yeah, and yeah. So, yeah, give it's, me some of that an, stuff. It's an awesome question, Stephen. We could probably have spent the whole hour talking about this because it's a huge. Um, it's actually a huge passion area for me because mm -hmm. um, I think uh, most young companies are not spending nearly enough time thinking about their cultures. Uh, and it's one of the critical success factors, I think, to a lot of, you know, real high growth success. Uh, you know, for us, it was all about a mission, right? Everybody, we recruit on our mission. We actively select people out that don't seem to care about our mission, and we're very comfortable doing that. Um, this is a passion project for all of us. Um, and at the end of the day, again, through those ups and downs, you know, every day we're interacting with um tons of patients that have like major, major heartbreaking stories and needs that we are super focused on delivering for. And that has to be, that is the unifying thing. We talk about it on a daily, weekly basis. Um, I think the second is, um, you know, we've got some really, really awesome talent. Um, and we have a very high bar for the talent we bring into the company. Uh, and they come from different disciplines and we've got some of the best engineers you know, I've ever met in my life that come from, you know, all the best, you know, Google, Facebooks, you know, the, the best tech companies of the world um, and have generally come into healthcare, you know, come into Quartet on that mission, uh, you know, for the mission to work on a meaningful problem. Right. Um, but we also have great clinicians and we have great healthcare operators and, you know, it, it is this healthcare, right. We have, we have compliance people um, and, and getting all that to work together uh, is I think a big part of our, um, we call it artful collaboration. Like we spend a lot of time on how do you get cross disciplinary people working together um, that are all obviously incredibly talented in their own veins, but when they come together, it's how you create something really magical. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, we work hard and, 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 and we play hard. I think we're, we're pretty, um, we're a demanding organization. We feel like, again, we have a moral imperative and obligation to really, you know, fix so much of what's been wrong about how mental health has been delivered and accessed by you know, patients across the country. Um, that's not a light mission. That's not a light day job. Um, we don't kid ourselves about that. You know, we're not, you know, kids in, in, in you know, shorts and hoodies like, high-fiving all day because our app, you know, went viral. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. a real company solving uh -huh. a real people problem. And, you know, we steep ourselves in that. And so it doesn't have some of the kind of maybe typical, like, you know, 22-year-olds in a garage kind of startup feel. Um, I think similarly, we spend a lot of time really, um, you know, reigniting each other's flames and, and spending time on our mission and, um, you know, with each other as really talented professionals working on, you know, a, a, a hard, a hard journey. Um, so yeah, no, we, we, it was something we invested in very early. I had a head of talent, um, on our team as one of our first kind of five or seven or so employees. Um, and that person has been like absolutely critical to shaping all this in the fiber of our organization. Fantastic. Plus, you get to offer 
your employees the the ambiance of New York City when they come to work for you, right? Absolutely. Come come visit us. Forty first and six. You got a beautiful new office right up Bryant Park and it's uh New York there's no better place I think right now to be building companies, uh particularly companies of meaning because there's so much talent in the city that has been stuck in the ad tech and, and, and financial world that wanna work on, you know, problems of meaning. Uh uh Very cool. Very cool. Arun, uh, thank you so much for spending time with us and uh really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Me too. It's real fun. And I appreciate you guys taking interest. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of the Breaking Health Podcast. We value our listeners very much. And we hope you enjoyed this conversation with Arun Gupta of Quartet. Arun, thank you for joining us and for sharing Quartet's story. You've got a lot to offer to the healthcare system. And we can't wait to follow your story and your company's story. Steve Krupa, thank you for helping us uh, find these great stories and for leading these fascinating conversations with these uh, really inspired CEOs and founders. And uh, we appreciate your leading this healthcare discussion. Tune in next week for another Tale of Innovation on the Breaking Health Podcast.